Next on BYUSN, nice and slow. Well, maybe not nice, but a slow start to the season for the BYU offense. What's the quickest fix for Keaton Slovis and that Cougar attack? And I go one-on-one with quarterback, cornerback rather, Eddie Heckert on the BYU defense, pitching a shutout and why he's so high in the confidence category. Plus, what the men's basketball roster looks like if Marcus Adams Jr. gets his waiver. And Top 5 Tuesday features the best wins versus number one in school history. I like that Top 5. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Tuesday, September 5th. I am Spencer Linton alongside a man who so kindly sends motivational messages to each and every member of our crew before the show begins, Jerem Jordan. I'm taking a page out of Duke quarterback Riley Leonard's uh, mom who tries to keep his ego in check. Okay. So she sends him a text before every game. Big win versus Clemson, number nine Clemson. Uh, apparently it worked. And it says, you suck. So <laughs> just want to make sure everyone on our crew knows that we don't do this because it's a little different, that's for sure. Uh, but no, everyone works differently. Yeah, my wife was like, yeah, I'm going to send that to you. I was like, I don't necessarily operate out of negativity I don't know well. if I'll respond the way that Riley responds. Uh, yeah, as, may, as you think. I don't receive or give uh, that kind of negativity, I don't think. Hey, can I make a recommendation for something you should send me before every sure, show? Sure, Your job is easy. Let's just go with that Your one. job is easy. <laughs> Anybody can do your job. Yeah, I was walking through Cougar Canyon Saturday after the volleyball match, and few people were like, man, your job seems so easy. They were like, yes. wink, wink. Yeah. In all seriousness, I had somebody show up at the building with 10 reasons they love the show and that we were One together. for every year of the show? Like they hand wrote 10 reasons oh, nice. why they love the show in response to all of that. Yeah. And so wasn't going for that, but this just shows you like how kind people are yeah. across oh. BYU Sports Nation. Seriously. Hey, that, that's nice. It was, it was unbelievable. So we're spoiled 10 what, years what and is, one day now. What does handwritten mean? What is right? that? What is that? Uh, I believe you have some sort of writing utensil, pencil, pen, and you actually have to like scribe it out on a piece of paper. I remember a pencil. Uh, they used to have a pencil sharpener in the testing center because that's all you'd use for the Scantron. And I was like, this is the last time I will ever use this. That was 2009. <laughs> yeah, no, no more of that. What? what? No more. It's all the Computron, Jerem. Yes. Is that a transformer? <laughs> Roll out. All rise and shout. It is time for What's Trending. What's Trending presented by Feastbox, donating 10% of every order to Full of Hope, a charitable organization that feeds hungry families. Well, Jerem, we're always looking for a quick fix in our society. Mm -hmm. Like, I want it now. Yeah. Make it better right now. I don't want to wait. It it's that simple. Snap yeah. your fingers, pay an additional fee. Like, bring it to me right That's now. That's Colorado football, isn't it? Deion Sanders provided the quick fix for Colorado. We'll Granted, it, it was a very expensive a quick fix, so much so that the athletic director said, well, we don't have the money to pay him the $29.5 million that we promised him, but we, we're confident we could raise it. That's the opposite of how this place works. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to be a $29.5 million pay increase or contract, per se, for Kalani Satake, but 
we are still looking for the quick fix after a lackluster performance from the BYU football offense in sure. week one. Yep. So what is the quickest fix for the BYU football offense so that we go from dismal to respectable in week two? Yeah, well, <clears throat> hopefully it's more than respectable against Southern Utah. Granted, several of these coaches, by the way, have coached or even played in the case of Fessy Satake at Southern Utah. Kalani Stake's oldest daughter was born in Cedar City when he was coaching there. Gennaro Guilford came from there, right? Um, and, and others. So they respect Southern Utah. We heard that a lot in uh, the media availability stuff yesterday. To me, it's the offensive line. If the offensive line mm. can establish the run game better, I think that really opens up not only Aiden Robbins, uh, who's going to be a baller this year still, in spite of what we saw. Seven for 23 was not great. Um, LJ Martin, Deion Smith. If this O-line can establish the run game, it creates more manageable second and third downs. BYU's average third down was 7.4 yards. That is too hard to navigate for even the best of offenses. So if BYU's better on first and second, if they get off the ball a little bit, we saw adjustments from Aaron Roderick where he was uh, going more inside zone and kind of downhill as opposed to the outside zone. Um, with L.J. Martin and BYU blocked it better in the third quarter, obviously, with L.J. Martin and whatnot. Then, BYU's not 5 of 17, as you can see. Penalties certainly played into this, as you mentioned. A few holding calls. Some of Keaton Slovis's best pass plays were brought back. Um, I think if the O-line, with one game under their belts, some film, some continuity, some experience. Remember, it's a new group. All started for their respective teams last year. But it was at Oklahoma State and Utah and Utah State, outside of Kingsley, Suamati, and Connor Pay. So now, you get some confidence against SU. You face one of the best defensive lines you'll face all year next week in Arkansas. Mm -hmm. But then you play a Kansas defense that really gave up a lot of points last year, TBD this year. And, but let's see when you face uh, that defense because BYU is going to need to perhaps put up some points in that game. So to me, the offensive line is the most controllable element of this. Okay. It would be nice to get Cody Epps and Keanu Hill back, but you don't need them in this game, you'd think. You'd think you'd be able to roll out the players that you rolled out last week and win because Sam Houston greater than Southern Utah. You can avoid self-inflicted wounds very easily because typically those are just personal mental mistakes. And Unforced. so I'm going to start there. It's yeah. like just those ugly penalties and maybe throwing a little bit of effort. You can control your effort as well. Mm -hmm. And maybe that factors into the offensive line where there's just like a natural mean streak that needs to get in there within the confines of football, of course. So, yeah, you can control the controllables. We hear about it all the time. Oh, control the controllables. Well, what is controllable? Uh, how engaged you are and how dialed in you are. So, yeah, avoid those mistakes. Yeah. And you can control how much effort you put into this. You know what you can't control? Injuries. It, it stinks that BYU was down their top two most experienced receivers with Cody Epps and Keanu Hill. Maybe BYU gets Keanu Hill back this week. I don't know. To be determined on Cody Epps. But, Jeremy, I'm not planning on either of them. I'm not planning on either of them for Southern Utah. Yeah, it's all good. So you can't control that. Sure. But you can control who you put on the field. And with those players, avoid just, like, bad mental errors. I believe the word that Aaron Roderick used was haywire. Like, players were just going haywire around Keaton Slovis. Like, there was some type of disconnect. And, unfortunately for Keaton, that makes him look Pretty poor in, at times. In fact, let's hear that from Aaron Roderick talking about uh, better execution yes. needed around Keaton Slovis. It's uncharacteristic of our team. We're, we have not been a team that shoots ourselves in the foot in the past. We've, we've always been uh, known for execution and, and you know, um, 
not a team that puts ourselves behind the chains in tough situations. We were usually pretty good at staying on schedule, and the other night we just could not sustain uh, you know, any kind of manageable down and distance. We kept getting penalties and putting ourselves in tough third down situations, and, and uh, it just kept, kept shooting ourselves in the foot over and over again. Yeah, to me, that is the easiest fix. Mm -hmm. Don't shoot yourself in the foot. These are self-inflicted penalties and mistakes, which made it really difficult for BYU to be good on first down. Yeah. And then they were constantly in third and long because of those scenarios. And then you're getting predictable a little bit on second and nine when you're wanting to get three or four yards. So yeah. uh, uh, kind of a, a undersized but speedy Sam Houston defensive line was creating trouble where BYU was only getting a yard or two. And now it's Third and seven plus, third and six plus is Consistently. third and long. And so it's tough to execute at that point. That's why five for 17 on third down. Yesterday in the press conference, head coach Kalani Satake spoke to members of the media about the difficulty in evaluating players on offense specifically because so many players weren't doing their respective jobs. So we have all, um, most of the knowledge that you guys don't get to see. And we, we know who when all 11 guys are doing the right thing. So it's hard to get frustrated at somebody that's running the ball or that's catching the ball or throwing the ball when when they're not even supposed to when the other 10 guys aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing so it's tough to to critique a quarterback when the receiver runs the wrong route or tough to get upset at the running back when the, when the o-line misses the the block or, or has a mental error and the tight end misses his block so uh, we have to do it relatively with what we see what do you want Keith Slovis to do if an offensive lineman misses his block and there's immediate pressure, or he's expecting the receiver to be in a certain area, and then all of a sudden the receiver is not there, and the coverage that is being offered up by the defense now has it that much easier because said receiver is not in that position. So he makes a pre-snap read, and he's like, okay, this guy's going to break into this area. This should be open. And then all of a sudden receiver's not in the right area. And he's like, okay, well, we can't really exploit the defense there, so we're just going to just throw it out of bounds, throw it away. Like, these, these are the type of mental errors, honestly, that I did not expect no, we thought, from BYU. We thought BYU was too uh, experienced, even though that experience for the newcomers was somewhere else. We thought BYU was too kind of seasoned, dis disciplined, well-coached. I don't doubt they were well-coached. Aaron Roderick basically said, hey, they, they executed this stuff and practice well, and then they didn't out on the field. Well, it's a good thing you played Sam Houston then. Because if that had been Tennessee, which it originally would have been, BYU probably would have got blown up, just absolutely blown up in that game if they played an opponent that was, uh, you know, way better than the Cougs. In this case, Sam Houston is a winnable game at home, and you win that game. And uh, Aaron Roderick uh, said as much on Coordinator's Corner that, hey, once the game was in hand, we kept it pretty vanilla because we just didn't – we wanted to win the game. A.K.A. we're going to make simple runs. We're not going to chuck it. 15, 20 yards down the field to try and, uh, you know, find some mojo for that. Sure. No, we're just trying to get out of here. Run some clock. And we don't want to show everything. But, uh, you know, once it's 14 nothing and there's five minutes left, yes, you gear down and you just try to get out of there with the win. Yeah, much to I, the chagrin of everybody in Las Vegas. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, score again! <laughs> and, and, and I get that, right? Because this week you need to take a BYU can't take a step forward, Spence. I think oh. they need to take a couple of steps forward. Fair. Like, we need to see the execution that we were hoping for in game one and game two. Especially Not, against Southern Utah. Because Southern Utah. No disrespect to Southern Utah, but this is a BYU team that should put it on the Thunderbirds and win convincingly. What does that look like? I, I, 30-plus points and win by 24-plus. Like, yes. I would hope it's more than that. But 
I'm going to give this offense a second game, then get its feet under uh, itself and get some experience together. Um, there was way more sort of disconnect between all these guys playing for the first time than we anticipated. Sometimes it takes a game or two. And thank goodness BYU's got this lead up to 10 power fives because I think they can figure it out in the first two games and then go compete with Arkansas. All right. To recap, simple fixes. Better offensive line play. More effort from the offensive line. Stop with the self-inflicted wounds, breaks. penalties, and knowing your routes, knowing your areas, knowing your blocks. Again, things that Aaron Roderick, you just brought up, said, we have executed these time and again in practice. It's been very clean. Didn't end the game. They went haywire. Well, let's hope that the wires are reconnected and BYU is looking much more precise yeah. and sharp in game number two. Okay, topic two. The Cougars now have Marcus Adams Jr. on the roster. He's applying for a waiver to play this year after going to Kansas this summer, then Gonzaga, now BYU. What an eventful. How was your summer, Marcus <laughs> Adams Jr.? What kind of player is he, and how do you see him fitting with this roster? The first thing that comes to mind when I watch his highlights are very versatile, athletic uh, can score in a bunch of different ways. And so I see him kind of fitting in as like a Jackson Robinson type player, Jerem. I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not really sure what a comparable is for Marcus Adams Jr. right now. I haven't seen enough to be like, oh, yeah, he's like this former BYU player. Or he, he kind of plays like this NBA player. I need to see more than just like a few highlights. I need to see him in person and like watch him in practice. But I feel like versatility and athleticism are, are what he brings to the floor and confidence. That's the other thing. I feel like he is uber confident and that's exactly what this BYU team needs like Dallin Hall confident Jackson Robinson confident Spencer Johnson he started to emerge as a confident guy they need more of this they need like an insurgence of this so I feel like he's an immediate scoring threat for BYU mm -hmm. to take the pressure off of the guys like Spencer Johnson and Jackson Robinson and Dallin Hall it, this will open up things inside as well because he can stretch a defense Jerem and he's athletic enough to weave and dish and do all sorts of things. So versatility, confidence. I really, really like what he brings to the table. Hopefully, he can play this year. I, w I don't want to wait a year. Again, no. I want quick fixes, dang now, it. Now. I want it right now. Give it to us now, please. Yes, I want him on the floor now for BYU. They need him right now. Yes, okay, and this is what the roster looks like, right? And, and this, is, this is a good group. Is it attorney team on paper? Early on, I would say no. They can certainly become that. I would hope BYU would get to the NIT and then you continue to build off of that. That is my initial kind of thought about the roster, to be frank. Marcus Adams, 6'8 wing. He can score off the dribble and shoot it. I've been told he's a tremendous shooter and yes. decision maker. Stretch a defense. Okay? And can guard one through five at 6'8. He's quick enough laterally. He's big enough to hang with some of the, some of the post players. He scored 50 in a game with 21 rebounds where he made 11 threes in a game in high school. Now, that, that's like the high end. Well, lots of guys do that. Not, not, uh, there's not another player on the roster that did that in high school. I'll tell you that. Marcus Adams might be uh, one of the most talented players BYU's ever gotten. Like, BYU does not get this kid typically. NIL makes it so BYU can get a guy like Marcus Adams Jr., by the way. Guess what happened? Without NIL... I don't believe that BYU gets Marcus Adams Jr. So there's a positive spin yes. to the negativity of the Quez yes. Glover story. That's the point I was going to make. In Marcus Adams Jr. The loss of Quez Glover and all of the drama surrounding that now rallied the troops of sorts within that NIL bubble to be like, okay, here's an opportunity. This kid's out there. What do we have to do to go and attract him and make this, you know, 
NIL offer that we have on the table even more attractive? Can we throw something else into this? The Royal Blue Collective, the Boosters. They made it happen. They made this happen. They made it happen. To get a player like Marcus Adams Jr., which to your point does not happen often, if maybe ever. I don't think it's ever happened. At BYU. Smith. To come to BYU. A top 50 kid at some point. Like Colin Chandler yes. is the exception. Colin Chandler's a member of the church. He knows what BYU is. He was, he was a Ute. He became a Coug. Certainly NIL played a role there as well. But Marcus Adams Jr. and Colin Chandler next year coming off a mission, we hope, and other talented commits right now. There's some positive momentum. Sure. This was a positive, good BYU basketball story that was very much needed. And if he gets a waiver, it certainly makes this season way more exciting because they've added – a very nice player. Very nice player. Yeah, and, and again, like I, I'm trying to explain to BYU fans in terms of who they have seen play here recently, kind of what he's like. I don't, I don't it's have a, tough. I don't have a comp- I don't have a comparable. No, I, I don't know that BYU I don't he, know. His size is like Jackson Robinson-esque, but he's a little taller. Yeah, there's not a good physical comp. Right. BYU doesn't get these guys. Like, Marcus Adams is uh, awesome, dude. I'm stoked. He's a guy that you would typically see at, you know, Kansas or or Gonzaga. Gonzaga. And now he's at BYU. Why did he leave? I don't care. He's at BYU. I don't care what the reason was. Yeah, all the Kansas (laughs) fans are like, yeah, good luck with that. Have fun with that. We will have fun with that. Prima Donna. We will have fun with that. Let's get him on the floor. (laughs) Let's let's get a waiver and let's get him on the floor. If the trade was for Quez Glover, I'm okay with the move. I would have loved Quez with BYU as well. I would have loved both. Yeah. Again, this just opens up more options for Mark Pope to throw out different types of, you know, yeah. lineups on the and floor. And he asked for this and got it. So let's see what uh, BYU can do. Let's get that waiver. Let's get that eligibility right now. Come Quick on, fixes, people. Do Quick you, fixes. Do what you didn't do for Yoli. Okay. <laughs> Our question of the day. Speaking of fixes, what – and this is two for Tuesday. It's two okay? for Tuesday. It's two this for Tuesday, new. folks. Yeah. All right, we got the Monday mailbag. We got two for Tuesday. Yeah, and it's not two for Tuesday. It's two fur. Two fur. Because this is Utah. F E R. Yeah. Okay. Two fur. Yeah. Tuesday. Could be. Yeah. Like like uh, fur. Like F U R. We could do that too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. E- either one. Either one. What are in the spirit of two fur Tuesday? <laughs> what are the two most fixable things for the BYU football offense? Okay. What do we have? Hunter Miller Hunter chimes in. Miller. What's up, Hunter? What's up, former coach? On the X, he says one penalties. Yes. Could not agree more. All oh, those self-inflicted wounds. Five drives were stalled slash ended by penalties. Drive killers. Not all penalties are created uh, equally. Yeah, yeah. BYU had drive-killing penalties. Yep. Yikes. Number two, Hunter Miller says, run blocking. It goes along with what you were saying yeah. on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Four of BYU's starting linemen had PFF run blocking grades under 58. Under right. 58 equals not great, yeah. Bob. And, and, and we don't take PFF as like, uh, you know, the, the – uh, It's not gospel. It's not gospel. Uh, but it, it sometimes is translated does correctly. Provide, it's yes, not. it does provide But context. it is a metric to consider. Absolutely. Dan Mortimer on Instagram says discipline, penalties, yep. and chemistry. Yeah, maybe it takes a little while to jail. First game of the London game. Guys were clearly not on the same page Saturday night, which led to bad throws, limited running lanes, and no momentum. <sighs> How much difference would chemistry be helped how much would they it was have fine if, they, for, if they had Keanu Hill and Cody Epps It was on fine the for field? Colorado. I don't know. Like, for whatever reason, Colorado had, like, 86 new dudes, and it was fine. But BYU struggled with that. Dan continues clean up the penalties and get guys in sync. They'll be fine. In sync. They're together for one song on the new Trolls movie, by the way. Are they really? I know you're excited about it. Are that. they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, did, there's a reunion? There's an in sync reunion in the just, new Trolls movie? Just for a uh, remake of one song. All right, let's end the show. <laughs> speaking of, speaking I need of, to go research speaking of in sync. 
<laughs> Dave Blaine and David uh, have a number they're going to perform tonight. We wish. Uh, on after further review, 7 Eastern time, the Clash of the Cats. They recap that game. Look ahead to Southern Utah. They'll break down the X's and O's. What happened with the offensive line? They'll talk about it. Oh, in the spirit of NSYNC, you're all I ever wanted, Eddie Heckard. BYU's cornerback yeah. star joins me next to recap BYU's dominant defensive performance and details why he feels so much confidence in himself every single snap. He's tearing up the hearts of opposing offenses. This is BYU Sports Nation. When I'm with you. <laughs> BYU Sports Nation is sponsored by Feastbox Global Grill, a unique dining experience featuring Texas, Hawaiian, and Korean meats. Time to feast. Let's keep the boy band theme rolling. We want you back. Oh. Are you going to throw in 98 degrees at some point? Hey, don't challenge me, Jerem. Do not challenge me. <laughs> we are live in Studio B. This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. You want to start a boy band? <laughs> I've always wanted to do, what was it, Psych? They did a, they did a, like a full musical episode? The, oh, oh, no, no, or it was Scrubs. Was it? Scrubs. It was Scrubs, I've always yes. thought we should do a musical episode. <laughs> It would take so much work that we're not willing to put it. It's true. Summer project. No, no, it's not happening. <laughs> and say goodbye to vacations if yeah. that summer project came nah. into play. All right, uh, enough of that. Let's get to a dude who I jokingly said is tearing up the hearts of opposing offenses because he's been so good, whether at Weber State and now one game into his BYU career, Eddie Heckard is the real deal for Jay Hill's defense in that cornerback's room. I spoke with him yesterday to discuss what a shutout meant to the BYU defense in game number one, and why is it that he feels so confident every snap he lines up across from opposing offenses? This is Eddie Heckard on BYU Sports Nation. Eddie, how would you explain your first experience as a BYU football player under the lights of Lavelle Edwards Stadium? I think it was great. I think, um, well, I know it was great. I, me and Cameron were reflecting on it. And after the first drive, hearing the crowd, seeing the crowd coming out was crazy. And just how uh, into the game they are the whole game. Like, I think that was a, a big thing. I think that was something we weren't used to. And I wasn't ready for that. I was at least expecting, like, oh, it's going to be loud in the beginning and then it's going to die out. But every Every drive on defense was loud, and it was hard to communicate. What's that like for you as a player as you go through the Cougar walk and you see the reception from so many BYU fans, and then it's coupled with what you were just talking about, the atmosphere through the game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? Yeah, even the Cougar walk. like That's what really got me ready, getting off that bus, seeing everybody, seeing how many fans. It looked like a parade. <laughs> like the Martin Luther King parade in Las Vegas. So that's, that's what it reminded me of. I was, I mean, just seeing that many people going for you, that motivates you to do better. It was like they were holding me to a standard and I was ready to play. A parade for Eddie Heckard, especially if uh, the defense keeps playing the way you guys play. And uh, I saw you with several members of your family after the game um, celebrating and kind of taken in the moment. What was that like for you? And what were those conversations like? Uh, they, were, they were talking about the atmosphere as well. They, I mean, of course, they said good game and how did I like it? And I was just, I mean, we, we were reflecting on the crowd, how loud it was. 
because this is their first big time college football game as well. So uh, we both were like just soaking in the moment and taking it in and just living in it. That was a crazy atmosphere. Though. That's what we liked about it. And can't wait for five more of them. You got it. Outstanding. Eddie Heckard is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Do any members of your family ever critique how you play? Like, is there is there like an uncle or a cousin or a brother that's like, hey, bro, your footwork was messed up over here. Or you didn't have the right leverage. Do they critique you that way? Yeah. So I got two people <laughs> that critique me. Uh, my uncle, he he's watching me every play. He watched me on punt return, on, on on defense, on kickoff. So he's he's critiquing me, but his like he just asking me why I did something or something like that. Not necessarily telling me what I should have did, but I got uh, a big brother named Tim that I sent all my film to. He's a high school football coach that played college football as well. Same position, taught me a lot. Any play I send him, whether it's good or bad, he's critiquing me. So that's why I still send it to him because I know like he's not just going to be a yes man and tell me I'm doing good. It's always helping me get better or like if even if it's a perfect rep or something I could have did better so sometimes I gotta kind of ignore them but most of the time it's it's, <laughs> it's good for me I love that uh Eddie as you reflect on a shutout in game number one what does that mean to this BYU football defense to do that in a season opener um it means a lot uh it's, it's, it shows us we can trust Coach Hill. But I think most of all, it's like that was a team accomplishment because, like, even the offense getting to midfield and pinning them back deep. And, like, even though we didn't get points on that drive, having them start within the 10-yard line, they contributed to our shutout as well. So I think it's more of a defensive stat. It's more of a – I mean, it's more than a defensive stat. It's a team stat. Offense, defense, and special teams. So uh, I know the defense is receiving all the credit for it, but I, I want to thank the offense for even getting the ball to the 50 every time and making them, making Rico go crazy on those punts. <laughs> now that's a team player response, Eddie, and I can appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is the most important thing that you and this BYU team learned after watching film and, and reviewing Saturday night's win over Sam Houston State? Um, well, we're going to meet later today, uh, and we're going to probably find out more from the coaches who are the professionals in this. But, uh, I mean, just from everybody assessing the game after, I would say, like, we know we like, we won. Like, I mean, we, we got to be happy with that. And that's all it was about, like. I mean, rather it was a 50-0 or 14-0, we won when we did what we had to do. And I think it was a dominant performance. I mean, we beat them every, everywhere. So it's hard to be it's hard to be picky after a shutout, obviously. But right. I know you're – I mean, if you're sending film to people and asking them to critique it, I know that you're you're very hard on yourself. So in your opinion, just from your performance, is there anything that you look at and say, ah, I could have done that better? If so, what is that? Uh, just probably getting to getting to the ball more. Uh, feel like all my man coverage reps were pretty good. Uh, getting to the ball faster. Uh, let me probably 
not giving up on that trick play. Like knowing that they needed a big play, they threw a trick play at my guy. I had bad eyes. But uh other than that, it got called back, so it doesn't count. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I, I had a I had a pretty good game. Um, but when coach other people see it different, so coaches are probably gonna tell me what uh what more I could have did. Maybe it's pad level or mm. something different that they're gonna coach me on. So yeah. At any point did you give Malik more a hard time about dropping a potential interception? Nah, because I dropped one too. <laughs> I dropped one too. I just needed I wanted to grab an extra stat, so a pass deflection and then got my interception later. Okay. So, yeah. Hey, yeah, just spread out the stats, equal distribution. I, I, I'm on board for that. Uh, what do you know about Southern Utah's offense at this point? Uh, maybe you've watched a little bit of their game against Arizona State, but what do you think they're going to try and do against BYU? Uh, I think they're going to be aggressive. They're going to try to attack us. I mean, I see they had a good game against Arizona State, uh, so they're going to come in knowing they can compete with a bigger uh, – a power five opponent um, and they've played BYU before a lot of those players on the team. I believe I played them before. I know they're not just any pushover team. We got to take them serious. Just how we take any other top big 12 opponent serious as well. Eddie Heckard is on BYU sports nation. Now I know you of all people can appreciate and understand what it's like to be an FCS team and go and beat an FBS team. So if you were to share some advice with your teammates this week, as they prepare to get set for the Southern Utah team, what would that be? Oh, just respect the game. Um, no matter who's in front of you. I mean, you should have a mindset to dominate that person, do your job and help your team win. Uh, that, that FCS player isn't that far from their talent level. I mean, I just think it's, it's D1 football at the end of the day. And I know, from my experience, every time I've uh, every time I've uh, played an FBS opponent, I felt like I was better than the person I was playing against. So it was nothing, nothing I wasn't ready for. Oh, championship mentality! I love it, Eddie. It's always great to catch up with you. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma so you can take that and go and continue to dominate against the Thunderbirds this weekend. We'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you. Appreciate you. Jerem, 98 Degrees said it best. I do cherish you, Eddie Heckard, nice. for what you bring to BYU football. Question is, yeah. are the cornerbacks right now, knee-jerk reaction, one game, but are the cornerbacks the best position group on the BYU defense right now? The way they played in game one? Yeah. The way, like, just going off what we saw in game one. Yeah. Linebackers were good, too. Don't get me wrong. But Jacob Robinson's 90.5 coverage grade, 90.3 overall, was fourth best in, a, in uh, all of Wild. FBS. Okay. Eddie Heckard was tremendous as well. Didn't get a good PFF grade. Uh, okay. You know, again, it's not everything. It's, it's like one eh. metric. But Eddie was really good in that game. Like, really good. And then the backers, uh, I thought, played really well. AJV also. is the real deal, Jerem. He's really good. Max truly had seven solo tackles, by the way. Uh, ben Bywater was all over it. Uh, Camden Garrett, four solo tackles as well. Remember, he's coming in as kind of the nickel guy, uh, a third corner in situation so it was good man and those guys played a lot of snaps like they all played between 47 and 61 snaps and there were um you know 67 
or there were 57 total defensive snaps. That means they got a couple on special teams. Yes. They were on the field a lot. We did not see that line change thing again. Yes. I give the slight edge to the cornerbacks, Jerem, just because you can do so much more with the defense when they are locked in. You can yeah. send all types of pressures because you trust your guys on the outside, especially the field corner. I mean, Jacob Robinson, they kept throwing at Jacob Robinson. I'm like, keep, keep trying. Go ahead. Whatever. And they, listen, he's going to get beat. People are going to score on him. But he's picking off passes. He's batting down balls. He's making plays. We've seen this uh, the last three years now. I mean, he had a, he's had, what, five picks in the last three years? So let's go. BYU Football with Kalani Sitake returns tonight. Center Paul Miley will join the program to recap Sam Houston, preview the afternoon tilt with Southern Utah. Tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Free tickets on BYUSN.com. You know this Travis Hunter guy at Colorado that's playing wide receiver and defensive back? Yeah, Special dude. player. Yeah, dude. Got us thinking. Is there a BYU football player who we think could play both offense and defense? Who's your two-way player? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Well, like the real MVP, BYU Sports Nation is on the social media, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and friends. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out today's headlines, which are sponsored by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU football prepped for Southern Utah this Saturday. Clan Sitake is focused on getting better. See, looking at it from, from uh, being able to watch it and evaluate film and um, you know, talk to the coaches and the players, uh, very fixable things where we can be in a better position to have more success in all three phases. And uh, we feel like uh, the, when, the, the, the mistakes, the miscues, and, and not to be able to take advantage of opportunities uh, are costly, but uh, things are very fixable. Another news, Ryan Rico is the Big 12 Co-Special Teams Player of the Week after nine punts, seven of which were 50-plus, a BYU single-game record. Four inside the 20. Whew. BYU women's volleyball jumps up to number eight in the new AVCA poll after going 3-0 last week. The Cougars travel to Washington State this week and will play three matches as part of Washington State's Cougar Classic. Yeah, which Cougar? BYU women's uh, hoops guard Ari Mackey-Williams competed at the FIBA 3-on-3 three -three. Montreal stop, playing for New Zealand, of course. He took sixth. She scored 20 points playing in three of the five games. And now she comes back to Provo and has to go to class. And it's like, do you know what I did last week? What a reward. <laughs> I competed for my country. What did you, you get do? your syllabi? <laughs> syllabi, get out of here. Former BYU basketball point guard Rudy Williams has signed with the Kapfenberg Bulls, an Austrian professional team. Look, go to Rudy. Austria? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's what's the Dumb and Dumber <laughs> Austria? And former BYU cross country and track and field stars Clayton Young and Connor Mance took first and second in the 20K championship, the New Haven Road Race yesterday. Jared Ward took 11th place, and former Cougars Jake Hesslington and Ian Hunter also ran. Uh, lots of representation from Brigham. Those are today's headlines. Now, let's whip it. Offer up some opinions. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. In the post-week one bowl projections. Uh, what? Brett McMurphy is BYU playing Mississippi State in the Birmingham Bowl. Okay. 
Kyle Bonagura of ESPN has BYU UCLA in the Independence Bowl. Yeah. ESPN's Mark Slaybaugh doesn't have BYU going to a bowl game. Ooh. Is that a gross oversight or justified after week one? <sighs> I still think Mark Slaybaugh is overlooking BYU. I feel like BYU, uh, there's there's enough talent on this roster to win six games, Jaron. Yeah. I don't care how bad week one was. Like, there's enough talent on the roster. Yeah, it's, I, I mean, for sure. It, it, that was as tough of, that was as underwhelming of a win as is possible, right? Like, I mean, what if BYU won 3 nothing? Yeah, sure, 7 nothing. But, yeah, we just think the ceiling is so much higher uh, for this BYU offense yes. specifically. Yes, they struggled. We do not believe it's 2017 Portland State. No, if, we're all hoping that Sam it, Houston, by the way, is like a juggernaut, a, de- a decent contender in Conference USA. They were picked to finish last, by the way. Yeah. In Conference USA. Yeah. James Madison went to FBS and won nine games last year. Could Sam, Sam Houston be bo- a bowl team this year? Could they win to, six games? Could they be a bowl team? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I think yeah, Mark Schleybaugh sitting there saying, "See, yeah, told you about BYU. Just wait. I, there, there are six but, uh, wins on the schedule." But also, like, who cares? <laughs> Week one, both. Also, BYU UCLA in a bowl game, a lot of fun. Just don't do it in Shreveport, please. Let's do it in Vegas. Yeah. Ooh. One of the stars of the weekend, we mentioned this before the break, was Travis Hunter of Colorado. Oh, yeah. Who played, I think, 124 snaps for Colorado between cornerback and wide receiver. I kept seeing, who's number 12? Like, oh, that's the same dude. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Jeremy, is there a player for BYU that you would like to see or maybe you think could play both ways well travis hunter as sort of a receiver corner that's that's one of the positions that you can do it um like jacob robinson as a slot receiver would be really interesting to me like a cody epps type aiden robbins could play linebacker he's yeah, big enough sure tyler batty does he have good enough hands to play tight end you know what i mean like he's a big enough dude. we saw that with corbin confuci on a fake punt against utah in 2016. successfully converted harvey long you played both ways yep. running back yes. and kind of defensive end for BYU. that's where i'm going remember nick vigil from utah state mm-hmm. yeah he yeah. did that for the aggies at a high level against byu Baylor had a guy uh the last two years so in the, linebacker tight end in the spirit of utah state football a little bit aj von pachon is my guy mm. that could play Fullback or tight end or be that H back, okay? Yeah. Yeah. As well as play linebacker. He flies around, Jerem. Well, and he's very physical. I think Mason Fakahua, Cedar City guy. He could play linebacker. Play linebacker. Yes. Yeah. AJ's that type of player. He's that big. Yes. And he was a high school quarterback, so we know he's got the uh, athletic ability. Maybe to... that's the answer. Okay. Mason Fakahua. We're not to that point yet where they need John Moala to play football and basketball or the Kafusis. That's a the sport crossover. <laughs> Women's soccer ranked number three in the top drawer soccer poll. Where do you expect uh, them to be ranked in today's United Soccer Coach? Poll? Similar, right at number three. Me too. I, I, think, I think they're a top three team. Spot, yeah. Yep. And then uh, in a couple weeks, they could, you know, if there's some loss by Stanford and whatnot, hey, could be number one. I, we, I believe wild is in that? some chats with people, the BYU's never been ranked number one. They've been as high as two, but never one. They've been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament back in 2012. But weren't the number one overall seed. Yeah, they could be, could they get to that number one spot? Women's volleyball got to that number one spot back in 2018. The we were there for a long time, right? Yeah. Men's volleyball had happened for a long time, several times. Yeah. Oh, man. 
Okay, being top three, oh my goodness. Yeah, and BYU deserves it. BYU is as good as anybody else in the country. They can compete with anybody right now. BYU women's volleyball, number eight in the new AVCA poll. One spot behind Texas. You and I kind of both thought that Texas might be right behind BYU, but the BYU would be the highest ranked Big 12 team. Texas got worked at home by Stanford. They got swept and it wasn't close. So I was surprised that Texas didn't fall. Again, I'll say it again. I believe that Texas is the best team in the Big 12, followed by BYU. I okay. look forward to those matchups September 28th to 29th in Austin. One of those games on FS1, by the way, which is exciting. I'm excited to see that. I'm fully content to kiss the ring of Texas in the league. And then, and then beat them. And then beat them. And once they leave, that BYU can become the best program in the Big 12. This is, this is a talented BYU team. I'm surprised that they weren't the top team in the Big 12 in the rankings. But there's a couple of freshmen who are still figuring it yeah. out. They're rotating, they're starting different people. BYU's good, they're very good, in fact. They're, they're close to being great. I'm gonna give them until December Okay. figure that out. Jerem, when these teams play, I hope Texas is ranked at a better position than BYU because I want BYU to have an upset opportunity on the road. And if just they go split there, just go split. That would be massive. And I would like yeah. to see BYU come in ranked below Texas when they do earn that split. And hopefully they're both, uh, you know, and Texas has two losses now, but they played a tough schedule. The one loss, unranked Long Beach. Wouldn't that be fun? Top Who's 10 center matchup? was Zayna Meyer, former BYU backup. So I want it to be a top 10 matchup. BYU just behind the Longhorns. That'd be a lot of fun. Cool. All right. They killed the music. It's like the Oscars. They're like, wrap, wrap it up. up. Speaking of ranked wins. Does the win over number one UCLA for BYU women's soccer, rank, where does it rather, rank on our list of BYU athletics best wins over number one ranked teams? Mm. Top five Tuesday with the top five wins over number one ranked opponents. This is BYU Sports Nation. Gonzaga. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. What a shot from Rachel McCarthy as part of BYU's win over then number one ranked UCLA at Southfield. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B. We have ventured over to the big video board, and for good that reason. Is that what we're calling it? Sure. It's the Cougar Council Room. It's the big, it's the big board. Guitar pick desk. Yeah. Big video board. It's the big board. Let's let's go. <laughs> the big board. Like we it. need the big board because this is a big top five on Top Five Tuesday. The top five wins over number one ranked teams for BYU athletics. Hey. Okay. Number five. Women's volleyball against Stanford, 2018. You called this game. I remember it well. Preseason number one Stanford. Number nine BYU. Don't forget the Cougs were pretty good too. 2-0 lead. Ronnie Jones Perry's 20 kills. Heather Knighting as a freshman, 10 blocks. Stanford wins the next two. Match point refs review this controversial call. Ronnie Jones Perry definitely touched it. But Catherine Plummer, National Player of the Year later, touches the antenna. And what does Mike Farish say? Point Cougars! They win 15-11, beating number one Stanford. They would later meet up again in the Final Four. Stanford won that match, but it was fun early in the season to get that win because it propelled BYU yes. later to be number one for most of the year. Yes, that was such a special night in the Smithfield. That was great. Oh my goodness. Number four, also within the volleyball realm. This is a volleyball school, people. Yes, it is. The men's team were ranked number two. They were unbeaten. They were 16-0 wow. going to Hawaii oh, to take so on number one UH. And guess what? The Cougars brought it. They swept the Warriors. Dominating performance. 17 straight wins to open the 2020 season. 
propelled them to overtake the number one spot in the national rankings. And then COVID happened. BYU hit 603 in, in that match, Spencer. I, I've called that as that's as good as BYU's ever played in a match. They were going to win the national championship that year, Jerem. If they passed in the national championship game, yes. That's been BYU's problem in 13, 16, 17, and 21. They were going to win the 2020 national championship. I think The so. men's basketball team was going to go to the Sweet 16, too. Or better. Dang it. Number three, number seven, soccer against UCLA last week. Oh, yeah. Last week. Week. Yeah, this was special, too. How about the storyline of two Bruins on BYU squad playing against UCLA? <laughs> Ellie Walbrook was on UCLA's team last year. She's she on scores the, that amazing goal to dude, open She it up. was on the field for less than a minute when what, she did that. What are we talking about? And then Rachel McCarthy, boom, she's been watching Inter-Miami and Messi, apparently. Holy mackerel. Then Aaron Bailey seals the deal. EB7, boom, goes to Dynamite in the 79th. BYU wins 3-1, taking down number one UCLA last Thursday. Oh, yeah. Number two, rewind about six years. BYU men's basketball on the road against unbeaten number one Gonzaga. They printed newspapers about their perfect season before the game tipped off. BYU was down 18 to two in this game and the Cougars storm back to shock the Zags. TJ Haas, you saw with his big three pointers. Eric Mika had a massive game. Tied at 71, Eric Mika. Hits a clutch jumper after this error, or rather this Elijah Bryant shot. Shim and the Cougars take the lead. BYU wins 79-71 and spoil Gonzaga's perfect season on senior night in the kennel. Third straight win in Spokane that year. That was wow. unbelievable. Number one, clearly 1990. BYU football taking on Miami. BYU ranked uh, 16th, 17th coming into the game and beating yes. UTEP the week before. Down 7-0, Matt Bellini in the end zone from Ty Detmer, 38 passes uh, completed, 406 yards, three touchdowns, seven-yard TD pass to Mike Salito, puts the Cougars up for good. They win 28-21. People forget, and, th and this is the all-time game. Oh, you only gave the ball away five times in this game. Four lost fumbles. Miami finished the season third in the country. Detmer went on to win the Heisman. That is the best win in BYU sports history. Spencer? Oh my gosh. Like all sports, that's football. Like again, win. with where with where that team finished, speaking of Miami, they were yeah. number three in the polls. They, they won a great major then. bowl game. And at the end of the Granted, season. in 2018, however, Stanford won the national championship in women's volleyball. Yeah. So that was a great win too. That was also amazing. Because BYU plays them again and loses, maybe it, 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 it lessens that it a little, little bit. bit. Okay. But that was a great win. Early in the season, no doubt. Yeah, we'll see what happens with UCLA. Like, that Gonzaga team that BYU beat, that was a national championship team. They went to the national championship and lost to North game. Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. These are bad. all amazing oh, wins. It's always good to beat number one. It's never a Holy bad thing. Cow. You missed any interviews. Wins over number one. You can see those as well. Uh, Deep Blue, shows, games, BYUSN.com. Download the free BYU TV app. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And we need to give a shout out to Mata'ava Ta'ese. Found out his dad died Saturday morning and he still played in the game. I mean, just an incredible show of, of just courage to go out on the field, one, to even get suited up, but to go out and play. I mean, there were several heavy hearts for this BYU football team and the staff. And, and the coaches said yesterday, one of the, it's, it's one of the toughest scenarios we've ever dealt with. But Mata'ava Ta'ase, to go out and play knowing that his father had passed away, he deserves this rise and shout-out. He is an absolute hero. 
We love you, brother. We love the family, and we send uh, all of our best to you from BYU Sports Nation here in Studio B. An incredible show of courage there. They gave him the option not to play, Spencer. He, he wanted to play. He wanted to play, yeah. and he had a good game. He had some really pivotal uh, blocks, especially on fourth and one for L.J. Martin when they had 13 personnel. He's one of three tight ends in the game on that play. Uh, I've been told his mom's dealing with uh, cancer as well, which is uh, incredibly tough as well. So our best wishes to the uh, Thai SA family, of course. Yes, Mata, we're thinking about you, brother. Um, stay strong. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation as we look back at our prop picks on Friday. This is BYUSN. We have to be more resilient at dealing with adversity as a team, and so we have a little adversity this week because we get to, you know, we get to hear people talk about how maybe we're not that good, and and that's okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll we'll have to battle through that. Watch the latest episode of Coordinator's Corner anytime on demand right now on BYUSN.com. Time now to recap our prop picks from a full football Friday. Predictions, specific things we thought would happen in the Sam Houston-BYU game. Some we got right, others we didn't. <laughs> How will BYU score its first touchdown? I correctly guessed the rushing touchdown, yes. which happened from Keen Slovak. Yes, and we said we asked, okay, who's going to score BYU's first touchdown? I said the field. You thought it was going to be Aiden Robbins. The field, Slovis gets that rushing touchdown, Over so under, I get that point. Ten and a half point, halftime lead for BYU. Under. Neither of us got We it. both whiffed on that. Okay, over under five and a half combined sacks and forced turnovers combined by the BYU defense. I said under. There were four. Three takeaways, one sack, Jerem, so four I got that sacks. point. And who will catch Keaton Slovis' 11th completion? <laughs> it was Parker Kingston. Neither of us got that one. You win the week 2-1. to one. You won both uh, roundup and prop picks. Well done. Okay, it's a clean slate. You can even it up next week. Let's, let's go. Okay. Well, we should keep track of the overall score. We need a tiebreaker, I, right? I would hope so. Our question of the day. What are the two most fixable things for the BYU offense? It's a two for Tuesday. Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated from Ben Peterson on X, who says penalties are the first thing to come to mind. There were some promising drives that were negated by unnecessary penalties. Just remove a couple of those, and the score of the game could have been very different. The concern is why do you have penalties against Sam Houston? Like, I could understand maybe against a, a more superior opponent where you need to hold or you need to do whatever, but there was some procedural stuff that was disappointing you. Ah, clean those up. Effort. And penalties. Our thanks to today's guest, Eddie Heckard. Oh, my Heckard! <laughs> Sorry to Dennis, but I ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on X and Instagram and Facebook. This and all our shows on demand for For Jerem, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Chris McGowan. We'll see you tonight for After Further Review as they break down the film. Dave Blaine and David, 7 Eastern, 5 Mountain on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs!